All right, if you guys want to go ahead and uh, shift back to your seats. So much to do, so little time. We're going to uh, we're going to kind of dip into this really quick, and then I really want us to get back to worship. This just feels really good here tonight, doesn't it? Like we, huh? Always, it always feels really. But there's something special tonight. I think the Lord's really. He's, he's doing something very special here for us. I think just something about the worship. There's something about this moment that like tomorrow, something is going to change for us. And it's going to change for the better. Um, I just think that's so beautiful. So I want, us to, I want us to get back into that place with the Lord quickly. Um, so let me just pray and we're going to jump into this. Come on, Craig, you're fine. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your sweet presence. Lord, that, it came up over and over again just that you're good. And that word just is so basic to us. But when we're talking about you, it's not basic. It's profound. Father, may we learn the reality of your goodness. May we take that for everything that it's worth. That you are goodness personified. So, Lord, just keep us in your presence tonight as we discuss uh, the gift of wisdom. We might find ourselves in just such profound communion with your goodness that it transforms us. We dedicate the rest of this time to you. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever-pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So tonight we're talking about the spiritual gift of wisdom. Um, just as a reminder, if you go to citybeautiful.ch slash gifts, you'll find a little exercise that Cole and I put together to help you walk through each of the gifts. There's just a few questions for you uh, to pray about, and hopefully that will help you come into um, a better understanding of the gifts that God's given you specifically. So tonight we're going to be talking about the gift of wisdom. Last week we talked about knowledge. Now we're talking about wisdom, we're going to move on into intercession and discernment. And I talked about these gifts as they're almost like uh, gifts of perspective. Gifts about the way that we see the world and the lens through which we interact with it. Now I was talking with a few people this week and we were talking about how do we discover our spiritual gifts. And I, and I actually got a really great analogy that I want to share with you about our gifts in general. I think we have this temptation to see our spiritual gifts much like we do the military, that there are all of these different uh, forms of military that you can join into, all of these different uh, tribes. You can have your, the Navy and the Army and the Marines and the Air Force. And then there's a vertical hierarchy within each of those um, expressions of the military that you have your colonels and lieutenants and generals and so on and so forth. And when, when you're in the military, everything is very cut and dry. You know exactly where you belong. You know exactly what your rank is. If you're in the Air Force, you're not just going to wander into the Army base and hang out for a couple days and then realize that you're in the wrong place because they're, they're literally wearing a different color than you are and they're going to look at you a little bit funny. But you know your place and you know your rank. It's, it's our temptation, I think, to want spiritual gifts to work like that. Absolute clarity, both horizontally and vertically. But I think when we're talking about the gift of knowledge and we're talking about the gift of wisdom, we're talking about something that has a little bit more of a nuance to it. I believe that these are the kind of gifts that God writes into our DNA. They're part of what it means to be human. 
And so the gifts are not so much something that's imparted to us from zero, but it's actually something that in its raw essence is part of the human experience that God anoints and he redeems and he draws it into his presence. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about something that has somewhat always been present in varying degrees in each of our lives. But what God is doing is calling us and allowing us allowing him to redeem and realign the gift of wisdom. I believe that we're all called to the gift of wisdom. But I also believe that there are some of us who have a particular weight when it comes to this gift that gives us a very specific kind of authority when we're talking about how the church operates and how we step out into the world as individuals. So this is how I want us to define wisdom tonight. Wisdom is applying the truth of God's revelation from scripture, prophecy, and experience. Now, those three qualifiers that might look a little bit familiar, if you remember when we were talking through the fivefold ministry, I was talking about the way in which God reveals himself to us and how that speaks to perhaps what one of our gifts are. And we're talking about scripture. God reveals himself through scripture, and that's really the realm of the teacher. That's the certain realm of the pastor as well. We talked about how God reveals himself through prophecy or direct revelation. That's really the realm of the prophet, and that the, uh, God reveals himself through experience as an individual and as a community as we walk through the, this life, and that can kind of speak to the place of the king or in the New Testament format, perhaps the apostle. And then it's so important that we recognize that it's not like one of these is divine revelation and the rest of them are natural, but in fact, all three ways of experiencing the reality of God are inherently divine because it's the place that the Spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us through his scriptures. He speaks to us in direct revelation through the prophetic, and he also speaks to us through our experience of community and what it means to be a human being. So wisdom is applying the truth of God's revelation, whatever it is that we receive from the Lord about who he is, about who we're called to be. It's about what we do with that thing that we have received. So last week when I talked about knowledge, I talked about it primarily as a gift of reception, what it is that we receive from the Lord, what it is we perceive from the world. Now we're talking about how we take that knowledge and how we offer that to the world. And so I want us to begin with this. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. When we're learning about Jesus, there are, there are two ways within our tradition that we approach this. If you look at the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we begin with Jesus as a man. And when we begin with Jesus as a man, we begin to do the work of walking towards realizing his divinity. I love that, especially in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus is being revealed as the Son of God, as God incarnate, it's almost like the punchline. It's the thing that you're kind of anticipating as you go along, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, he's been God this whole time. And I love that. It's such a beautiful way to encounter Jesus. But there's another tradition that starts with Jesus as the divine and walks him towards being a man. And we call this the cosmic Christ. When we start at this place of talking about who Jesus is, we're talking about the cosmic Christ. 
This is where we're looking at different scriptures is the Gospel of John, the letter to the Ephesians, the first chapter of Colossians, the first chapter of Hebrews, the first chapter of 1 John. All of them begin describing Jesus from the vantage point of all of creation. We call that the cosmic Christ. Describes Jesus as the word of God the wisdom of God, the light of God, the radiance of God's glory. In Ephesians chapter 1, it kind of finishes up by saying, Jesus, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And I love that perspective of Jesus. It's such an interesting place to start because when we have that picture of the cosmic Christ in place and we step into the narrative of Jesus of Nazareth, It gives us a really beautiful perspective of what's going on and what God is doing there. And so I want us to focus in specifically on this idea that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Would you turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to read just a few uh, verses from Proverbs chapter 8. And I love this. I love this demonstration of who wisdom is. This is a poem that King Solomon writes, and he personifies wisdom as a woman. And so I'm going to read through this, and I encourage you, one of the things that we talk about here is kind of allowing the Lord to use our imaginations and to kind of give us pictures when we go through Scripture to kind of illuminate to us what it is that He's doing. So as I read through this, I encourage you, if you want, just to go ahead and close your eyes and allow the, the words to wash over you and see what is the image that God gives you here of what wisdom is. So this is Proverbs 8. We're going to read verses 12 to 23 and verses 30 to 36. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles all who rule on earth. I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Think about this. Hundreds of years before Jesus of Nazareth is born, Solomon writes this poem where he sees wisdom not as a logical structure in the world, 
not as just a way to figure things out, but he actually sees wisdom as a person. And I hope that as I read that, you heard these phrases that sound so familiar to your ears because of the things that Jesus speaks. See, Solomon personified wisdom as a person. Solomon is already formulating this idea that wisdom is less about just figuring things out and it's more about a divine relationship with a person who is the firstborn of all creation, who sat next to the Lord as he created and delighted in what it is that the Lord created. This wisdom is something that holds the world together, that governs by truth. What we have here, my friends, is this beautiful prophetic anticipation of Jesus. And Paul picks this up in the first letter he writes to the Corinthians. If you look with me, please, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, and then verse, chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, Paul says this. It is because of him, that is God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. You see, Paul has been reading Solomon and hearing Jesus. And I love that he talks about here that wisdom is, re- is revealed in Jesus and it's revealed as Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as God sends his spirit to us to animate us from the inside, it opens us up to the reality of who Jesus is. And we're transformed from the inside out. And so the spiritual component, when we're talking about the spiritual gift of wisdom, It takes us beyond just applying knowledge that we've learned, and it takes us into that place of being inhabited by someone. It takes us into that place of divine relationship, of intimacy with Father God, and the extension of who he is through Jesus that changes us. And so what is it that makes the spiritual gift of wisdom different from the world's wisdom? Wisdom enables us to invite and offer the eternal reality of God into the present moment. And that last piece about the present moment, that's so key. Wisdom enables us to invite and offer the eternal reality of God into the present moment. Perhaps you're familiar with this prophecy from the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 31, he says this, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Is that familiar? You've read this? Good. Jeremiah 31, great chapter. Go read it. It's real good. But here it's talking about what God is planning to do is to take the law, which was this external expression of who he is, and begin to internalize the law. And I've talked about law before. You know, a lot of times we give the law of God a bad rap in the church. We talk about, oh, the law and the old covenant, that was bad and that was rubbish. And Jesus came and said, you know what, I'm just going to do away with the law altogether and we're going to move on and start something new. As if Jesus is kind of God's plan B. 
But when we really examine law, the word law is halakha, and it means the path that one walks. And so when God gives the law to his people, he's saying, you want to walk with me. You want to walk into intimacy with me? You want to walk into the identity and the purpose that I have for you? Well, follow me along this path. And it's so beautiful because God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah that what has been this external thing that you've learned, I'm going to make it internal. It's no longer going to be written on stone or on papyrus. Now it's going to be written on your heart. And of course, again, our good friend Paul picks this up again in 2 Corinthians. And he says this. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What Paul is seeing here in the prophet Jeremiah is this this unpronouncement, the law is going to be internal, that God is going to write it on our hearts through the Spirit in a way that expresses Jesus. And I love that he finishes with that, that, that point that he says, it's not that the, the competence comes from us, but it's competence from God. I want you to hold on to that because we're going to revisit that later. But I believe as we walk through this life, inviting and offering the eternal reality of who God is into the present moment, we always have two options. We have the option to react out of our flesh, or we have the option to respond out of our spirit. A friend of mine, he's a pastor in Tampa, and he has two little boys, and he's training up these little boys that whenever they make a mistake, he says, Ah, Levi, was that the flesh or the spirit? And he goes, Dad, that was the flesh. And, and one time my friend was in the car with his sons and, and, and they, were, they were driving and, and someone cut him off and he cursed at this guy. And they, the Levi goes, dad, dad, is that the flesh or the spirit? And he got him. He got him. But you know, even from an early age, we learn this distinction between when we react out of the flesh. It's, that's, our, that's our animal desires to fight or flight. It's where the, the frontal lobe of our brain shuts down and the, our lizard brain, this little bit in the very back, just ignites. And we just make these jump, jumpy reactions to whatever's going on in front of us. And what happens so often when we're responding out of the flesh, when we're responding out of our animal brain, we often make mistakes. We hurt ourselves. We hurt other people. And ultimately, we don't bring glory to God. But I believe that wisdom is the ability to respond to whatever's going on in our world through the Spirit. Because Jesus becomes the intangible lens through which we see the world. God is unchanging in his character, God is unchanging in his nature. Yet he is profoundly attentive to us in the moment. As one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, says, we have to stop asking 19th century questions through a 16th century lens. He's talking about the Reformation there. 
He says we have to start asking 21st century questions through a first century lens, going back to the beginning, going back to Jesus. And I think, my friends, that is where wisdom really becomes tangible, when we're stepping into this new and unknown world and we're inviting Jesus to become the lens through which we see the things that are going on in our day and age, and we're able to apply the truth of God's revelation in the moment. And so I believe this, wisdom has us slow down, back up, and respond through the Holy Spirit. We know that something within our frontal lobe ignites whenever we're in a moment of spiritual awareness. When we pray, when we're in worship, something in our, in our upper cortex ignites and it lights up. And that's the place where we've really learned to connect with God. So is it not surprising that when we jump to the flesh's reaction, our brains shut down and we run into instinct. And we shut down the place where we're able to encounter God, to allow him to speak into the moment. And what wisdom does, what Jesus does, is he teaches us to slow down, to back up, and to invite the Spirit to give us a new insight into what's going on in our lives. So we no longer respond out of the flesh, but we respond out of the Spirit, and ultimately we step into what it is that God has for us. And so the, what is the person who has the gift of wisdom? What is this person like? I want to kind of highlight three particular areas that are very linked that talk about what it is the process for the person with the gift of wisdom. The first is this, the person of wisdom seeks the depth of the moment. The person of wisdom seeks the depth of the moment. So much in our world tells us that whatever is on the surface, that's reality. And I believe that many of us, we've been trained up in the flesh, that we kind of skip along the surface of the world like a stone. And we, we all know within us there's something that, that tells us that there's something deeper. There's something a little bit more than just what we can perceive, just what we've experienced. And I believe that a person who has the gift of wisdom has the unique ability to perceive the root of a situation, to kind of lift back the veil of material reality and see the truth of what's really going on. I love that story in the Old Testament of Solomon um, when he's confronted with two prostitutes who claim that this baby is both theirs. Do you know this story? Are you familiar with this one? These two prostitutes, they live in a brothel. One, they both have babies at the same time. One rolls over her baby and kills it. And then she claims that the other's baby is hers. And so the, both women come before King Solomon and they ask him. They, they both insist, this is my baby. And the other says, no, 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 this is my baby. And what does Solomon do? You see, Solomon in his wisdom, he perceives a much deeper root to this surface issue of what's going on. And he says, I'll tell you what, go get me a sword. Go get me a chainsaw. We're just gonna, we're gonna cut this baby into two and you can each take half. And one of the women, what does she say? She says, yep, of course, that's fair. And fairness is how the world works. So that's perfectly fair. If neither one of us can get him, then nobody can. And what does the other mom say? No, no, please don't do that. Give the baby to her, give the baby to her. And of course, Solomon knows that that's the actual mother. You see, Solomon was able to perceive the depth. He was able to perceive the root of a surface issue and really address it there in order to bring out the truth. 
The second about the person of wisdom is this. The person of wisdom builds a bridge from knowledge to action. The person of wisdom builds a bridge from knowledge to action. We know that knowledge by itself is useless. This is why Paul talks about elsewhere. He says, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We talked about last week, knowledge is not evil. But what we do with the knowledge that we retain in this life can be. And if we just go about our lives amassing knowledge, but we never actually do anything about it, what's the point? What's the reason for that? And so the person of wisdom recognizes that knowledge has to birth itself into action. And I would say where knowledge by itself is useless, action without knowledge leads us to those rash behaviors. It leads us to charge in without thinking, without consulting the Lord, and making all of these assumptions. Do you know that there's a difference between trusting the Lord and testing the Lord? Do you hear me in that? Sometimes we put ourselves in these very compromising positions in our lives that we've never even consulted him about. And then we say, okay, Lord, you're supposed to come through for me. That's not faith. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. But when we're guided by faith, we don't put ourselves in compromising positions. Rather, we allow the Lord to guide us where he wants us to go from knowledge of who he is and who he's created us to be into action. And so we administer the knowledge of God into the world. The third thing is this. The person of wisdom empowers others to make free will choices. Oh my gosh, is this a church that believes in free will? Relax. Relax. We're not even going to go there. But the person of wisdom empowers other people. The person of wisdom tends to have a very strong belief in free will choice. And I believe that a healthy version of the gift of wisdom is not one where we go about merely just giving prescriptions to people or just giving people advice and then washing our hands of it. But we actually see again to that root of how do I empower this other person to make action in their lives, to move forward, to move towards God, to move towards truth, to find a resolution in whatever the situation is in their lives. I think because of this, people that are blessed with the gift of wisdom are people that lead other people into wisdom. People with the gift of wisdom are the people who change culture because they're the ones who are administering the knowledge of God into situations where previously there was ignorance. Now there's this beautiful awareness. People with the gift of wisdom have a gift for governing. I love in in that Part in Proverbs 8 where it talks about, by me, kings govern and they make these, these right actions. Because we recognize that, that it's, it's through the power of God that we're given the ability to govern, to make decisions, to empower other people to do the same in their lives. And so the person with a healthy gift of wisdom doesn't go around just writing prescriptions and handing them off and then getting mad when people don't take their advice. But they actually go a little bit deeper and say, how can I empower my brother? How can I empower my sister to engage with the Lord, to respond through the Spirit, and to step out in faith to do what he's calling us to do? In that, I think it's so important that for those of you who have a gift of wisdom, that you're making sure that you're allowing somebody else to speak wisdom into your life. 
I almost feel like a broken record when we're talking about these gifts and, and coming continually back to the most important thing with this gift is that you're humble, that you need to have humility. Well, duh. But it's so much when we're talking about the gift of wisdom, what is our natural temptation is to believe I've got all the answers and you little peons don't. So let me just throw out a bone every once in a while so that you just know who's got it. But as I talked about with the gift of the teacher, that we have to see ourselves as fellow learners, when we're talking about the gift of wisdom and learning to walk in the gift of wisdom, we have to be humble enough to have open hands to allow other people to speak into our lives. Real people, people that we have relationship with, people who know us, so that we keep ourselves humble. We keep that flow of God speaking into our lives through other people, so that when we step out to help others and to lead other people to Jesus, we're doing it from that place of humility, and we understand the greater goal of what it is that God is doing through his church. And so the final thing that I want to say about wisdom is this. Divine wisdom is not something that is earned, but something granted to us. It's not something that's earned, but it is granted to us by God. Just before Solomon has that really great demonstration of his wisdom, the Lord comes to him and he says, Solomon, I will give you anything that you ask of me. Anything that you want, name it. And Solomon doesn't ask for riches He doesn't ask for health. He doesn't ask for more power. He asks wisdom. I think the irony there is it's it's the wise person that knows to ask for wisdom. It's the wise person that knows how to ask for wisdom. And of course, God is so gratified that Solomon asked for this. He says, I'm going to make you the wisest man who's ever lived, and I'm going to add on to you all of these other things. And James, the brother of Jesus, encourages us to ask for wisdom as well. If you look in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 7, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You see, James recognizes that there are hard decisions in our lives. There are hard moments in our lives. There are things that happen to us that we don't even have a category for. But what I find so beautiful in the Christian narrative, and you see this through all of the great writers of the New Testament, you see it spoken by Jesus himself as they say, consider it a blessing when there's hardship in your life. Consider it a blessing when there's difficulty and there's trials and there's temptations, because in that is an opportunity for you to press into Father God and allow him to shine the light of his truth into your life and empower you to step through that. I was counseling someone today, and we read through Psalm 23 when it says, though even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because you are with me. I think there's so many false gospels out there that tell us that we're supposed to run away from the difficult things of this world. We're supposed to run away from the pain in our lives and the struggles in our lives. 
But I think what James is saying here is press in. Be present. Allow those moments to to refine you. Allow those moments for you to turn back to Father God and say, God, I'm kind of at the end of my rope right now. I don't really know what to do right here. And James says, in that place, in that moment, in that experience, ask God for wisdom. Ask for his wisdom. Ask for a lived-in reality of who Jesus is that will become that lens through which you approach the difficult things in your life and see if you don't come out the other end not lacking anything. Tonight, do you have the audacity in the midst of all of the things that you desire in your life, in all of the little categories that you have of, oh, it would be wonderful if I had this. It would be amazing if this happened to me. In the midst of all of your desires and your hungers, do you have the audacity to come before the Lord and to ask Him for wisdom? That's where I want us to go tonight. If you'd stand with me, please. I want us to come before the throne room of God and I want us to contemplate this question. Where is the specific place in my life that I need the wisdom of God? That I'm at the end of my rope. That I don't really know what to do because it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit intimidating. And I just don't have answers. I'm going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to invite you to ask that question of the Lord. Lord, reveal to me in my life right now, in this present moment, where's the place where I need your eternal reality, that I need your wisdom to help me press in, to help me move forward? And then when you feel like the Lord has shown you something, a place where you desperately need his wisdom, I want you to turn to one other person, and I want you guys to share, and I want you to pray over one another. Because I believe when we pray for each other to receive these gifts, God is faithful to that. If our heart motivation is in the right place, God will bestow upon us whatever it is that we desire. And there's beauty of inviting our community to come alongside of us in that process, to lay hands on us and to pray for us. So I'm going to pray. I want you to take some time to ask that question of the Lord. And then I want you to turn to one other person. I want you to pray for one another that God would bestow upon you a new level of the gift of spiritual wisdom. Let us pray. If you want to just put your hands out in front of you, that's fine. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that Jesus is. We thank you that for us, he has become wisdom that you sent him to be the mystery that has been revealed to us, that you are a good God, that you are real and you're living and you're present to us. Lord, every day we step out into the unknown and we encounter things in our lives that we don't quite know what to do with. Father, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you illuminate to each one of us a specific place in our lives where we really need your wisdom? 
And Father, would you give us the courage to ask for wisdom, to come before you as Solomon did, to put aside all of our other desires and to ask you for your divine wisdom. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. We pray for transformation tonight, Lord. We pray for encounter. We pray all of these things in the strong and the blessed name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ.